Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. For this, our 50th episode, we're going to focus on trip planning, how to do it, why to do it, and where you should consider going in 2021. We'll start with Expedia Vice President and travel veteran Nathan Lump, who discusses the importance of taking your vacation days and the pleasures of trip planning. Then Condé Nast Traveler's West Coast editor Rebecca Meisner explains slow travel, a distinctive approach that will help you experience your destination like a local. It's about really kind of immersing yourself in a place, slowing down, and seeping yourself in, in the community there. And finally, writer and illustrator Chandler O'Leary tells us about sketching the sites while road tripping up and down California in her latest book. There's so many places that are so different and it's, you have to sit there and remind yourself, I'm still in California. I haven't left California. <laughs> That's all coming up on California Now. Many folks have been working from home for the last year and then working some more without much chance to embark on a real vacation. My next guest says you really ought to plan and take a trip. Nathan Lump is a travel industry insider and a repeat guest on this podcast. When he last appeared on the show, he was editor-in-chief of Travel and Leisure magazine. He now works at Expedia, where his job title is Vice President Customer Marketing. Welcome back to California Now, Nathan. Thanks, Satirius. It's great to be with you. So to start out, we know January 26th is National Plan for Vacation Day, which was created to encourage people to take their full allotment of vacation time. Do people really need to be reminded to take vacations? Oh, 100%. Um, So, you know, we have uh, a national problem um, in the U.S. with with taking our vacation time. we there is a, a really significant delta uh, between the amount of vacation time given to Americans and the amount of time that they actually take, which you know might be surprising to many people who um, who aren't familiar with that because we don't get a lot to begin with um, relative to other countries in the world. So you would think people would really want to um, make the you know make the full use of what they're of what they're given. So absolutely, um, we know this is an issue. Uh, we know people don't use their time up each year, um, and it's a it's a pretty significant number based on the research that I've seen over the years. Um, it is improving a little bit, I will say. Um, I've been following this issue for a number of years, uh, but we still definitely have a long way to go. Why do you think that is? Is, is it is it is it a uniquely American thing? I mean, is it part of our our culture in some way? It isn't totally uniquely American. Um, I've looked at global data on this subject. Um, the Japanese, in particular, among um, among other countries, um, have a little bit of a similar issue. But we have, um, as I as I mentioned earlier, the, that sort of that delta between what's given and what's taken is um, is particularly great in the U.S. I think you know I think it has to do with any number of factors. But one of the things that I've been following over the years is how taking time off is perceived in the workplace. Um, and definitely one of the things that people say when asked kind of, you know, why don't, why don't you take your time is, you know, is that, is that fear that somehow it hurts them at work, um, that, you know, that stepping away from, you know, from their email, from their, from their desk or, you know, whatever is taking their attention is somehow not good for them or, or is frowned upon by, um, by their companies. There's actually an interesting statistic that, um, I noted a few years ago 
when asked kind of, you know, how important vacation was to take, um, you know, managers and companies across America said, you know, that they felt that it was important for people to take time off and that they encouraged it. And then when you ask people who weren't managers how they felt about that, they they often would say, um, I don't take time because I feel like my manager doesn't want me to. So um, there's clearly a bit of a communication gap there, I think, between what managers and uh, and workers feel. Well, you know, this is a travel podcast and we are unequivocal in our belief that travel is a force for good in the world. But just to be safe, travel is good for you, isn't it, Nathan? I mean, it is, right? Totally. Absolutely. I mean, there's lots of scientific research, actually, that um, suggests there's an important correlation between you know, taking time off and by extension, um, you know, going places and um, mental health, physical health, creativity, um, and actually productivity. So, you know, thinking about people in the workplace that in fact, um, it's shown that people are more productive when they actually take a break from what they do. When they come back, they, they get more accomplished. So even if you're approaching this from a purely capitalistic lens, it's actually, you know, it's actually good for um good for businesses to have people take time off. But I think particularly on the mental health side, we know that there's a there's a really significant correlation. People are happier when they take breaks, when they get to have quality time with their loved ones. And going someplace new, I think when it's possible, is also you know really refreshing to the um to the brain it's it, it gives you an opportunity to kind of step out of your day to day and you know see the world with fresh eyes and um I think that that is um I think that's really really positive for people um and there's actually as I said there's actually research that bears that out but I think it also feels intuitively true uh for those of us who love to travel for sure so a lot of people, of course, had to cancel trips in 2020. Do you think that adds to the importance of actually vacationing in 2021? Absolutely. Um, you know, we know that, yeah, so many people had their plans, um, had to cancel their plans or had things that they wanted to do that they weren't able to do. We actually, at Expedia, we do a um, an annual study every year called, um, it, we call it the Vacation Deprivation Study. And we look at how much people are able to take time off and how they're feeling about um about travel and their and their you know and their need for their need for it. We're about to release the results in a couple of weeks of, of our most recent version of that. And we definitely know that um, one of the early indicators that we've gotten from the data is that definitely people care about that vacation time and those trips that they take more than ever, um, having sort of been deprived of it in many cases for the past year and are, you know, definitely feeling like they want to take advantage of that as soon as they possibly can. Um, as soon as they feel comfortable doing it safely, um, they really, really want to. There's a ton of research that says the mere act of planning a vacation increases happiness. Uh, a recent study says 97% of respondents said just having a trip planned makes them happier. I mean, what do you what do you make of that? Oh, I, I think it makes total sense. I mean, um, you know, having something to look forward to um, is a is is just a wonderful thing. It um, um you know it, it allows you to look forward with optimism. Um, and and I and I know that the act of um, you know, the act of planning trips, it's, it's interesting. A lot of times um, people will talk about planning travel as a bit of a hassle. There's a lot of decisions to make. There's a lot of research to be done. Um, but we also know that people really enjoy the the dreaming aspect of that. When you, when you sit down to plan a trip, you, you begin with a world of possibilities, right? You know, we're all hoping and feeling that at some point, 
those that full suite of options will be available to us again. Um, and it's quite exciting to think about what we'll do with that. And I, you know, I definitely think that it is um, it is positive for the spirit to engage in that process. So, so even if, if the trip you have your eye on wouldn't be until, say, summer, there's no downside to, to sitting down you know, in January to map things out, right? Absolutely. And I mean, in fact, you know, if you're, if you're in a place where the weather is dreary or, or something like that, it's actually also just nice to look at those pictures, think about those, um, you know, those, those sunnier, uh, happier, uh, happier days. It's, um, no, absolutely. There's, there's, I think, no downside to it. And, you know, the other thing too, is that, you know, those all become options for you for the future. So it's also like, there's no wasted effort involved. You know, you, you, you know, you might, ultimately narrow down to one thing, but thinking about what that, you know, what that range of things that you'd be interested in doing, and that's all useful for the future. So, um, no, I think it's a, I think it's a great activity to do. So beyond the basics, like looking up flights or comparing hotel amenities, what are some of the more pleasurable ways people can plan for trips? You know, I've been streaming a lot this year and reading a lot this year and, um, with more at home time, um, there's probably been more content consumption than ever. And I, um, you know, one of the things that I've been doing a lot is, you know, watching foreign films and foreign TV shows and, right. um, you know, or not always foreign, even just places that, you know, have a very strong sense of place. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and using that as a way to get kind of inspired about places that I might want to go, um, you know, and that you can do obviously with, with moving pictures, but also with, um, you know, photography and, and, and books are a great way to do that as well. Um, I, I certainly think that's one of the ways that I've been, been kind of exploring the world vicariously, um, you know, this year when I maybe haven't been able to go as many places. And I definitely encourage people to do that kind of thing. And, you know, and there's, there's obviously all your usual sources of inspiration, magazines and newspapers and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, travel providers themselves have a lot of good content out there, but I think that's one of the nice things to do now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things, especially right now, as you say, as a lot of people are staying at home a lot and watching TV, maybe reading novels, being exposed to places that you may have heard about or even never heard about, and then looking into actually visiting those places. It's very, it's very fun. Yeah, totally. It's been, it's been one of my joys this year. When are you planning your next trip to California and where will you be headed? It's funny, I was thinking about where I haven't yet been. One of the places I've always wanted to go that I haven't been in California is, um, is Anza Borrego. I want to go there and see the wildflowers when that happens, um, I think would be, a, would be a super fun thing to do. And I haven't been back to San Diego in actually quite some time. So it would be nice to combine a stop to Anza Borrego um, with San Diego. That's, that's one of the things that's on my list, um, my list to do. Um, and just explore a little bit that, you know, that far southern, southern part of the state where I've spent a little bit less time historically. So that's, that's, that's on my list. Um, and you know, Great we'll, choice. yeah, we'll hope, you know, I hope, um, and I, and I hope it'll be sooner rather than later. We'll see, you know, I mean, I think we're all, uh, you know, we're all waiting to see how things progress, but yeah, that's definitely on my list. Well, Nathan, this has been really great. Thanks so much for joining us on California now. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be with you, Satirius. Nathan Lump is Vice President, Customer Marketing at Expedia. You know the URL, Expedia.com. There's lots more about Nathan at his website, NathanLump.com. And you can find links to the places Nathan mentions today and on his previous appearances on this show at our website, VisitCalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now.
If you've been dreaming about a well-deserved vacation, perhaps the first one in quite a while, you are far from alone. My next guest says there's a growing appetite for folks wanting to plan a 2021 escape. Rebecca Meisner is West Coast editor for Condé Nast Traveler magazine. She's here to highlight a few trends and ideas ahead of your next California getaway. Welcome to California Now, Rebecca. Thank you. Happy to be here. So let's jump right in. You know, 2020 is behind us, thank heavens. And now that a vaccine exists, I've got to believe people are beyond eager to go on vacation this year. Are you sensing any pent-up demand for travel? Oh, my gosh. People are clawing at the proverbial door. I think <laughs> they cannot wait to get back out there. So so we've established, you know, that the demand is there. I think everybody kind of just feels it in their bones. No big surprise, right? So, um, so given everything, do you envision people will be traveling differently in the year ahead? What are, what are some of the trends you anticipate? Sure. I think, you know, everything is going to look a little different uh, for the foreseeable future. One thing I think people are doing is planning trips that are bigger trips than they were normally thinking about, you know, kind of going back to that pent up energy. They want to do something big. They've had to wait a year, a year and a half since their last vacation, and they want to just go for it. Um, I think we're also seeing people wanting to take longer trips. They may have um, sort of stored up days or, you know, there's still some logistics that are going to be different and, you know, getting somewhere and staying put for a bit longer, I think still makes sense. I feel like blowout trips, like kind of like what you were mentioning before, making that big trip, you know, those are really front of mind for people, again, because they had to defer travel last year. Do you see a lot of that? And, and where in California might you send somebody for a spare, no expense getaway? I would say, you know, maybe a place like Santa Barbara, where you have access to, you know, gorgeous beaches, you're near, you know, you're near wine country, you could get a group and do a charter boat. You could go to the Channel Islands. I mean, a hub like that would be an, an awesome place, I think, to do that kind of thing. Hmm, that sounds really cool. Are, are, are hotels and resorts and places like that seeing uh, you know, people reserving blocks of rooms right now, anticipating that you know, maybe down the, down the line during 2021, they'll be able to have a gathering like that? Absolutely. I mean, my inbox has been flooded with hotels doing these sort of, you know, group buyouts. And, you know, we, we see a lot of that for honeymoons or big family reunions, but it's becoming more common for just big groups of people that, you know, until everyone is vaccinated, you still want to kind of, you know, whether it's an official pod or at least kind of control the group setting a bit more than just, you know, checking into a to, to a hotel under nor normal circumstances. Right. And, I, and I'm, I'm guessing, you know, if you're in a, you know, when you do block off rooms, like for a conference or for a wedding or something like that, you get a discount. So it's almost a way, in a way of, it's a way to reconnect with your friends and family and also, you know, maybe, you know, save a little money when you're on vacation. Absolutely. And there are deals to be had. You know, this is, <laughs> this is the time. Right, right, right. You know, one approach that I imagine sounds good to a lot of folks right now is slow travel. Can you tell us what that is and, and what advantages it has? Sure. So um, I don't know that an, an official definition exists, but how we kind of think about it um, at Traveler is kind of like the name implies. It is a slowed down approach to travel. Um, and sort of like the slow food movement, there is an emphasis on connecting with 
you know, the local, with the local people, with the local culture, with the local food. Um, it, you know, to kind of <laughs> say a pat phrase, it's about the journey, not about the destination. <laughs> it's about really kind of immersing yourself in a place, slowing down. It's not about the kind of parachuting in Instagram checklist moment of hitting, you know, the five hot things in a town and then hitting the road. Um, it really is about kind of being in a place and seeping yourself in, in the community there. So you really, yeah. So you really kind of like hunker down in one place and you would just really do a deep dive on that. You live like a local almost for a while, right? For maybe it could be like a week. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and what are the advantages to that? As Americans, we're very good about, say, going to Italy and renting a villa in Tuscany and, you know, trying to live sort of an Italian moment and using that villa as a hub to explore other hill towns or check out vineyards, but really trying to get into the local rhythm. And we're great about doing that abroad. We have trouble thinking that way domestically. Um, about, you know, picking a spot and really kind of just relaxing into it and slowing down. And, you know, there is something really nice. And I think it's something that we all say we want to do about, you know, going to the same coffee shop in a town for three mornings in a row, where you start to kind of recognize people, where maybe you have an exchange with people that live there. You know, that's so lovely when you actually do it, but often you kind of land in a place and you feel almost guilty about going to the same restaurant or, you know, the same neighborhood twice. Whereas I think it's those kind of real connections that you wind up remembering or telling your friends about or, you know, something happens where you have this sort of like switch in mindset that you get from interacting with different people. You know, when you let yourself have those real connections, I think is when you walk away feeling like you really got something out of a place. Right, right. So so what are some ideal places in California to experience slow travel? If we kind of think about these hubs, you know, picking a spot that you can branch out and do a couple day trips or have a few different experiences. Because while I'm all for, you know, revisiting the same coffee shop three mornings in a row, you do want variety. So you know, a place like Mendocino, which is a couple hours north of San Francisco, is, I think, a great hub, a great place to maybe rent a house for a week. And then you have, you know, the Alexander Wine Valley um, to the southeast of you. You have amazing hiking and you have the redwoods kind of all around you there. Um, you have um, if you're really adventurous, you have the Lost Coast, which you kind of have to hike into. You have the Victorian towns of Ferndale and Eureka to kind of poke around. Um, there's just a lot of different experiences you can have up that way. Um, you know, on the flip side of the state, a place like San Diego, where you can, you know, there's so much going on in that city. Um, you know, you can hit Barrio Logan for you know, to really kind of immerse yourself in the Mexican-American culture, you can poke around, um, you know, La Jolla and Laguna and these other little beach towns to the north. You can go to Coronado for a day. Um, so I think, you know, kind of picking places that have these almost like spokes out 
of different experiences and day trips. Um, Santa Barbara, again, as I think I mentioned earlier, I think is a great kind of central beach, but you have, um, you know, you have great wine right around you. You could drive an hour inland and go to Ojai for a day. I mean, we really, it's almost embarrassing <laughs> to talk about California because <laughs> we just have so much variety and so many options. You know, I've been to Carmel and to the Monterey area. That's another area that I find is also full of, you know, great things to do and, uh, you know, places to see and food experiences. Carmel's great. And, you know, sort of similar to Santa Barbara, it has the same, um, you know, you get your beach moment, you get your kind of, um, you know, in Carmel Valley, you get your kind of uh, nature, beauty, hiking moment, you get your wine, you get great food. And then you're also so close to Monterey, um, which is, you know, a fantastic family destination for the aquarium and, and other reasons. Right. Let's focus on you for a moment, Rebecca. I mean, where are you planning to go to in the Golden State this year and why? Well, let's see. I still haven't figured out if I'm a city or a country person or, or a desert or <laughs> okay. person. I'm a little bit of everything. <laughs> um, so I live in San Francisco and I spend a lot of time hiking in Marin, um, which I love. But I am craving the desert. So I mm. think... When I can move around a bit more, I'm going to head down to Joshua Tree and hike and um, stargaze and, Mm. um, you know, just get out in the middle of it. On the other extreme, I'm also craving uh, forest, like true old growth, you know, redwoods that have been around literally since Christ. Um, So I think Mm -hmm. I will head up past uh, Eureka, past Trinidad, and hit, you know, Redwood Forest. Um, And there's a ton of good surf breaks, which, you know, if I can get over my cold water shark fear, I think, (laughs) (laughs) I think will be fantastic. But, you know, north, way north, kind of um, right up almost to the Oregon border, there are a lot of kind of less crowded, less known about, less explored surf breaks that I'm hoping to to explore. And by surf breaks, you're not talking about necessarily going surfing, but you're talking about actually just going into the water maybe for a swim, right? No, I'm talking about surfing. Really? Okay. I didn't realize you're a surfer. I am. I, I'm an intermediate. I've been the same level for most of my life, but <laughs> I do love it. Oh, that's really great. That's really great. All right, Rebecca, thank you so much. This has been great. Thanks for joining us on California Now. Thanks for having me. Rebecca Meisner is West Coast Editor for Condé Nast Traveler, online at cntraveler.com. Follow Rebecca on Instagram at Becca, B-E-Q. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Whether you're discovering part of California for the first time or ready to fall deeper in love, there's no substitute for a scenic road trip along the state's one-of-a-kind highways. My next guest has made a practice of not just taking road trips up and down California, but sketching them as well. Chandler O'Leary has written and illustrated a travel guide called The Best Coast, a road trip atlas. She's here to tell us more and to share some of her favorite sites around the state. Welcome to California Now, Chandler. 
Thank you so much, Soterios. So you are clearly someone who loves road trips. Talk about why. I love being able to see absolutely everything from beginning to end on a journey. I actually get really frustrated when I have to fly somewhere because you see point A and point B and very little in between. And I want to know everything that's on the way. And I want to see everything and draw everything. And a road trip gives me the chance to do that and really develop a mental map for the country that I live in. So do you think road trips are are poised to have a moment in the coming year? I do, actually. Uh, I think, and, and I could totally be wrong here. But I feel like, especially with the pandemic right now, people, I think, are really rediscovering the beauty of a road trip. And I think especially millennial and Gen Z travelers are starting to see the beauty of that. There's a nostalgia with it. There's some fun kitsch along the way. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's coming back. So so where did you get the idea for this book? Uh, Well, I moved to the West Coast 12 years ago now. um, And I had not really ever experienced much of the West Coast. I'd been to California maybe one time. And I felt like the best way to really explore the area was through driving and, and, and exploring it on, in my car and with my sketchbook. And I kept all these sketchbooks. I started a travel blog right around that time. And I started telling these stories of my travels and linking these seemingly disparate places together through these stories and through my drawings. And people started responding to that. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if I could share this with other people and turn this into a book? And that's eventually what happened. So I have to say, like, you know, this is like uh, this book of yours really traces an epic journey. I mean, we're kind of we're going to delve into some of the details about it in a minute. But what are some of your high level takeaways from this trek? For me, the biggest thing is watching the landscape and the climate change. Um, Even within the state of California, you don't even have to go all the way up the coast. You can stay within California and see that change. And that was really the the biggest takeaway for me in the beginning, but also just so just the sheer variety. There's so many different things to see and do. If you like urban things, there's plenty of cities along the way. If you like being in the absolute middle of nowhere, there's plenty of places to find solitude and beautiful places. So there's really something for everybody. And I love that. And I have to say, I have to say the, the illustrations really make your book stand out, especially right now, like in our photocentric Instagram world. Um, there's something timeless about them, and um, they're on every page of Best Coast. What, what response do you find your sketches get? I, I think that, I, just as you say, I, I think they have an emotional response with people. They, they elicit emo- an emotional response in a way that photography doesn't. I feel like you're able to insert yourself a little bit better when you see an illustration. You, it kind of activates your imagination. And also, we are just super saturated with photography. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's so much beautiful photography out there. And, and now everybody has a great tool in their pocket for taking photos. But it's everywhere. And illustration is is not in the same way because of the, the labor and the time involved. And so when you see that, it really kind of, it's arresting. And it it makes you stop and think, hey, look, look at this. Um, for me also, drawing really forces me to slow down and really look at what I'm seeing. And I find that I remember my travels so much better, even years or decades later, when I've taken the time to draw things. So, so during your trip, how did you decide when to stop the car and pull out the sketch pad? Oh, that is probably the hardest thing for me because if I could stop time, I would just do that endlessly. I would probably never eat food again. I would probably never get anything else done. I would just be stopping every five minutes to draw some new thing. So I sometimes I had to really think, okay, it's gotta be 
it's got to be the best view, not just the really, you know, the, the, the nice view. Um, I, I tend to, I stop for crazy neon signs. I love old neon <laughs> signs. I love wacky roadside attractions, um, like the old fiberglass muffler men that were made down in Venice, California. Um, there's still a lot of them all over the state. So I always stop to draw those. I love really dramatic vistas. Uh, and especially if there's a really curvy road in the vista, like mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, there's a viewpoint near Jenner, California, which is north of San Francisco. And you can pull over and you can look out at the ocean and the windy coast and the cliffs. And then there's this road, the road that you were just on is curving away off into the distance. And I love that. Oh, that's cool. That's really great. I mean, how how many times have you made that trip up and down? I want to say it's about 10 times now. Um, And I, I have only done it all the whole length of it a couple of times, but I've done it in chunks many times. And some sections I've done over and over again, like the the slow coast between Santa Cruz and San Francisco. I've done that a bunch of times. Um, other sections I've done fewer times. I've only done Big Sur a couple of times. Um, so, but all together, I've 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 done California road trips at least ten times. And you know, you do get an amazing amount of variety along the way, right? Because like Newport Beach is so different from places like Point Reyes and Crescent City. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I love. I kind of fall down these little rabbit holes. Like I, you mentioned Point Reyes and I wasn't really planning to stop there on one of my trips. And, and I thought, well, you know, I've got a little extra time today. I don't have to, you know, I, I can't, I think I was staying in Fort Bragg that night. So I was like, that's not that far. I can do it. (laughs) But (laughs) no, I actually, that I I don't want to say lost the whole day. I think I gained the whole day by, by exploring Point Reyes. It took me the whole day to do that. And I ended up having to change my overnight plans. And I couldn't have been happier about that. I was not expecting that at all. And I loved it. Wow. So Chandler, that's the coastal portion of the trip. But then you came back down via the inland route. What were some of the main roads you took? And can you share some of your most sketchable spots? I really love the mountain towns that are in the northern part of the state. And you can kind of access them if you're if you're on the coast in the Redwoods. You can actually make a diagonal. It takes you into Oregon a little bit. So we're leaving California for a minute. But then it's easy to, to loop back to Interstate 5 and the old uh, interior route. And that the old Highway 99, which was the old the original Pacific Highway, it was the backbone of the state and the West Coast. Um, it is still around in portions in the mountains. And it's been swallowed up by I-5 in a lot of places. But you can still access the old road in small towns like Dunsmuir, where there's a great old theater marquee that's that's still there. There's also you can find these old sections of the highway that are kind of ruins. And some of them have been um, submerged underwater when they dammed Lake Shasta. And so it's really kind of an it's almost like archaeology when you're Hmm. looking for these old highway threads. That's really cool. Yeah. And then, of course, it dumps you out. Once you are done exploring the mountains and following that thread of old 99, it dumps you out into the Central Valley. And then you pick up the thread of 99 again, and it's almost intact, almost all the way to Los Angeles. It's fantastic. Right. And then the Central Valley, you know, you kind of get this dramatic shift as you're heading south through it, right? Yeah, this shift of of climate and landscape and... um, even the animal species are totally different. I remember the first time I got dumped down into the Central Valley, I got out of the car and suddenly there were just hundreds of blackbirds everywhere and the song was filling the air. It was, <laughs> it was incredible. And then, you know, one of the things about the Central Valley is that you get this incredible, uh, f- you know, fresh food on that drive because you're right there, right? You know, you're driving through so many amazing farms, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I'm a sucker for 
farm stands. And in fact, my <laughs> my husband is always joking that what I bring home as souvenirs from my trip are crops. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm always bringing home like, here's a bag of dates or, you know, here's some almonds or, or whatever. And, right. and so I, I definitely break for farm stands. And I, I still have this memory of the, the first time I ever um, tasted citrus that had never been refrigerated ever. Mm. And and I, as someone who's never lived in California, I'll, I'll always remember that. So, and there's, you know, the, the, the citrus groves are now southeast of Fresno and Bakersfield, kind of tucked along the mountains there. And you can still go and get roadside citrus and you can drive through these little back roads while the citrus trees are blooming. And it's fantastic. I, I love that, that, that your souvenirs are crops because I mean, <laughs> I'm the same way. I mean, if you're going to be around, if you're going to be someplace where they grow stuff, that's absolutely hundred percent fresh. I mean, you've yeah. never tasted stuff like that. Like you've never tasted a tomato or like you say, citrus when it's picked right off the tree and hasn't been like refrigerated or anything else. It's, it's really, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So I love to seek out the areas where the kind of the, the food stuffs that we take for granted are grown. Like there's a whole bunch of avocado farms near Atascadero between, um, between Paso Robles and the coast. And there's all the citrus farms that I mentioned. There's almond trees that are around Sacramento. And I, I love the geometry of those orchards. And I have so many drawings of the app of the almond orchards in the winter, especially. Oh yeah. I mean, the trees are kind of, when you say ge geometry, I mean, you see like rows and rows and columns of trees. It's really mm -hmm. striking, especially, I, don't, I mean, especially when they're blooming, I think they're incredibly beautiful. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you go in uh, around April when they're blooming, it's just stunning. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that highway 99 kind of cuts a diagonal because it, it parallels the eastern border of the state which is a diagonal there and so the and the or the trees in the orchard are all planted in a north-south grid and so you when the highway's at a 45 degree angle to that you get this fantastic triangular geometry going you're passing these trees at full speed past your window and it's it's really an incredible visual. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've driven through the Southern California deserts um, myself. I mean, it's so special, so rugged and desolate. What did you make of that mm -hmm. part of the state? I think just the sheer scale of it was mind boggling to me. Um, and it's so different even within, there's so many different areas even within that region. There's a high desert and a low desert. And I also went to Joshua Tree on one of my trips and it is so, it's right, it's right near just above Palm Springs, but it's a totally different world with different climate, different temperature, different plants. And then to the west of there, I went to the Antelope Valley where um, the poppy preserve is. And just the sheer scale of that desert region is mind boggling. Right, right. What about Enza Borrego? I mean, that place is like another planet. Absolutely. Yeah. And also like the the dunes as well. I mean, the just there's so there's so many places that are so different. And it's you have to sit there and remind yourself, I'm still in California. I haven't yeah, left California. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going to have to let you go soon, Chandler. But before we do, what do you want to leave people with when it comes to road tripping through California? I think have an open mind and let yourself be open to surprises because you can plan all day long, but it's the things that you don't plan that are the things you're going to remember the best. Even if it's a mishap, that becomes part <laughs> of the story for you. That is really great advice. Chandler, this has been so great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thank you so much for having me. It was great fun. 
Chandler O'Leary's newest book is The Best Coast, a road trip atlas, illustrated adventures along the West Coast's historic highways. It's available in all your favorite bookstores. You can find more of Chandler's work at chandleroleary.com. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope you enjoyed our 50th episode and get a chance to hit the road soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe. And for more on National Plan Your Vacation Day, including destination guidance to help you plan a great getaway this year, check out visitcalifornia.com slash plan 2021.